Hey friends, welcome back to The Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this podcast. And I want to thank you for joining with me again for today's message. Today's message comes from our Ash Wednesday service, which is the beginning of Lent, which is the 40 days plus Sundays leading up to Easter. Historically, this has been a time to help people prepare their hearts and their lives for the celebration of Easter by focusing on our sin, our need for Christ, our need to repent and turn away from the things that we shouldn't be doing. And so today we're asking the question, whatever happened to sin? We're looking at some of the trends and the thought patterns in our culture, which has turned away from the idea of sin and what we need to understand about it so that we can celebrate Easter and understand the importance of it in a more full and complete way. I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message. Whatever happened to sin? Ash Wednesday is the beginning of the season of Lent. Many historians believe that the idea and the practice of Lent began shortly after the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. The idea was to get people to prepare their hearts for Easter. The way to do this was to be honest about our sins and take a look at what we need to stop doing and turn away from so that we are ready to celebrate the amazing forgiveness that is now ours because of the death and resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. But the season of Lent doesn't make sense if you don't believe in sin. And it seems like many people today don't believe in sin anymore. Back in 1995, Newsweek magazine published an article that was called Whatever Happened to Sin? The article talked about this history of sin originating with Adam and Eve. It talked about how people who are submerged in guilt and fear resort to cover-ups and blame-shifting strategies to make themselves feel better. But the article asked, who identifies with Adam and Eve these days? Some people experience shame when they lose face, but guilt requires a recognition of sin and the need to change one's life. 90% of Americans say they believe in God, but any urgency to turn away from sin seems to have disappeared from our culture. The writer noted that 40% of Catholics only confess their sins to a priest twice a year. Many preachers today feel like they must focus on affirming people's virtues rather than confronting people's sins. Instead of talking about our sins, we only talk about our enemies' sins or we only talk about the broken systems we live in as if the systems of our world are sinful, but the people who run them aren't. 
But the article came to the conclusion that the most disabled people among us are those who lack self-awareness and feel no guilt. It is only those who can admit their guilt who know that they can become better. There was a music awards show where one of the performers sang John Newton's famous hymn, Amazing Grace. But instead of singing the line that says, that saved a wretch like me, she sang that saved someone like me. But John Newton was a former slave trader who actually did feel like a wretch for how he had treated some of his fellow human beings. When sin ceases to be wretched, grace ceases to be amazing. And when grace ceases to be amazing, forgiveness and mercy cease to move us. When we don't understand sin, we don't really understand Easter. Unless we realize that there is something deeply wrong with us, we won't realize that there is something deeply good and right about God. Psalm 14, verses 1 through 4 says this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. These are not popular words in our culture today. I don't hear a lot of people saying that there aren't any good people in the world. I hear people say they think people are basically good. And they seem surprised that people can be so evil. A year ago, Tish Warren Harrison wrote an article in the New York Times that was called, We're All Sinners. And accepting that is actually a good thing. She talked about how the season of Lent focuses on sin and repentance. She said that one of the things that's most difficult to swallow about Christianity is the idea that nice, normal people are sinners, that we are born sinful, and we can't elude being a sinner by being moral or religious enough. She said it can seem kinder and gentler to think of human beings as basically good. But then we run into the hard facts of greed, genocide, abuse, oppression, lies, tyranny, hatred, jealousy, violence, murder, enslavement, and even mundane selfishness, impatience, arrogance, or resentment in our own hearts. Denying the reality of sin actually makes it harder to understand the world 
and harder to cope with the pain of the world than when we realize the Bible is correct when it says that we are all sinful human beings. The English author Francis Spuford says that most of us in the West think of sin as a word that basically means indulgence or enjoyable naughtiness. Instead, he calls sin the human propensity to mess things up, only he doesn't use the word mess. And his word is probably closer to the truth of things. This propensity is not only passive like an accident, but is also our active inclination to break stuff, including moods, promises, relationships we care about, and our own well-being in other people's. Tish Warren Harrison said she was in college when she started to understand what sin really was. But far from being the crushing blow of self-hatred, the realization of her sinful nature came with something like a recognition of grace. She saw that she was worse than she thought she was, but also more loved than she thought she was. She said the truth knocked her off the eternal treadmill of trying to be better and trying to receive love, atonement, forgiveness, and mercy. The tradition in many Anglican churches is that they kneel every week and say, I have sinned against God in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and what I have left undone, that I have not loved God with my whole heart and have not loved my neighbor as myself. The idea is that the whole community admits on a weekly basis that they have broken stuff, including other people and themselves, with their ability to mess things up. The tradition in the Eastern Orthodox Church is to regularly say the Jesus Prayer, which simply says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. By praying that simple sentence over and over, it ingrains this attitude that at the root of our being, there is something that is not right. Something at the core of our hearts has been warped and bent and twisted. And our only hope is that God will have mercy on us and that God sent his son to die for us so that the Holy Spirit can straighten us out and open us up to the light like the petals of a flower that open up to the warmth of the sun. It's not helpful to say, well, shucks, we all make mistakes. That makes it sound like it's no big deal, that there isn't real hurt and pain and disappointment. There are times that we fail. There are times that we cause great harm. And it's a humbling feeling when we can see ourselves and our actions honestly. The Lutheran theologian Martin Marty once wrote, 
that we live in a culture where everything is permitted and nothing is forgiven. He meant that we tend to reject the idea of sin and judgment in favor of a you-do-you moral individualism. We try to convince ourselves that there is only personal appetites and preferences, but we cannot quite shake a sense of good and evil because most of us retain a sense of justice, a sense that what we do matters. But when someone violates our often unspoken sense of justice or righteousness, there is no way of atonement. There is no absolution or restoration. The Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn once wrote, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. Sin is not something that some people have or that other people wrestle with. It is a condition that affects every one of us. But the Bible's teaching on sin is not that we are left to stew in guilt or shame. We aren't just sinners. We are sinners who can ask for mercy and believe that we can receive it. Living in this posture is what makes forgiveness possible, which is what makes lasting peace possible. Without a clear sense of right and wrong, we will end up endorsing injustice, cruelty, and evil. But without an equally profound vision of grace, we will end up only with condemnation and an endless self-righteous war of us versus them. <clears throat> the theologian Miroslav Volf once said that forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. But if I am a sinner, then my enemy and I have something in common. We are both wayward and in deep need of the grace of God. When David wrote Psalm 51, this is what he said. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. So this is how we begin the season of Lent, with a healthy understanding of our fallen human nature. Doesn't mean beating ourselves up so that we always feel bad. It's an honest look at the condition of our hearts, the wrong that we are all capable of, and the harm that we can do to others. It's a realization that we all need to repent. It's a realization that all of us need Easter. We need the mercy and the healing and the forgiveness of God that has now been made available to us through the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. That is something we look forward to. And that is something we can experience every day. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.